Welcome to the Lauren and Dawn Show, the Olympic series. Each episode, we'll unpack the journey of an Olympian or the team behind the team, the wins, the gains, the sacrifices, and the learnings of an elite athlete at the highest level. I'm your host, Lauren Terrace. I'm an award-winning through-the-line concept specialist, which means I work on the commercial side of sports, the brands, athletes, teams, and tournaments. I'm also an NLP coach, assisting athletes and teams with goal-setting, team culture, and building mental resilience. Over to my gorgeous co-host, Dawn Dunn. Hi, I'm Dawn Dunn. I'm known as Mama Raga. I'm a rugby enthusiast and radio personality. It's been the absolute joy of my life to not only walk this rugby journey, but also to give women a much needed voice in a sport that's so male dominated. Michaela Bitboy is a South African judoka. She is a silver medalist at the 2019 African Games and a three times medalist, including two gold at the African Judo Championship. She proudly represented South Africa at the 2020 Summer Olympics in Tokyo, Japan. you from Tokyo and bring yeah. you anyway, we'll get oh, I'm actually I'm actually in South Africa we arrived yesterday oh, are you are you in yeah. yeah I'm I'm in Pretoria we arrived we That's were supposed good. to get here on Monday but we had a huge delay so we only arrived on Tuesday <laughs> I'm sure okay yeah. so um, just from my heart to your heart um, it's so incredible chatting to you and I just want to touch on a couple of things with you, Michaela. Are you ready? Yes. <laughs> Not really. I feel like I've, I really feel like my tears are starting to come out. <laughs> oh. So, you know, um, just from a colored female perspective, we start there and we move on to a really disadvantaged background, which I share with you because I come from a very disadvantaged background with mm -hmm. Parents that didn't have great education, and um, you know, for me, the biggest the biggest thing for me was my parents motivated me and drove yes. me, and really taught me that there were no boundaries and that anything was possible. And that, if you think about it, um, during apartheid, was a very difficult thing to do. So, for you, what I'd like to hear from you is a little bit about you as a colored female and a little bit about your journey. Okay, so, you know, I'm from Port Elizabeth. <laughs> I can't say the new name, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so... <laughs> sorry. Um, I grew up... No, actually, three sisters. Sorry, I had two. Three sisters. Um... So I grew up in Boyson Spark. Uh, I started judo in Boyson Spark. I attended primary school in Boyson Spark. And my dad uh, was a, a teacher. So he taught at a high school. And my mom was a, a seamstress. Um, I, I can't recall the company that she was working at, but she was working, I think it was, okay, but anyway, and I don't know how long it was. So, um, yeah, my, my dad was actually, and uh alcoholic so he drank a lot um and that that affected uh a lot of things at home and even though he would always provide for us and he would 
always look after my mom and care for us. And when payday comes, we have everything. It was still a difficult time because when he had to be around his friends or be with the people and it like he would bring it home and it wasn't always easy for my mom. Sorry. Uh, take a moment, my love. Take a moment. <laughs> Just breathe. It's fine. We're with you. You're not alone. Okay, so as I said, it wasn't easy for my mom, but he always came to the part what he had to do for the family and like provide for us. And when he passed away, things became really difficult for my mom. She she had to stop working, she had to look after us, and she worked from home. And it's not always that she could find people to come to her to make things or plan an event or have work for a month. And I honestly don't know how she did it, but she did. And I think that's a big reason why I keep on pushing myself like that because like I saw my mom had to go through and what she's still going through and I I really just want to help her I really just want to I want to succeed so hard that I can give her a better life even if it's just for a few years or however long she still be will be on this earth yeah so as I said like after my my dad passed away it was very difficult and he passed away in 2009 and that was the year before I had to move to Pretoria. I didn't know that at that time that I would make the change of coming here. So it was at the age of 13. I was 13 years old. It was really difficult to see myself without my father. And I was his, I was his little girl. <laughs> I really was. Um, he would take me to school with him and on days he would... The kids at school would treat me like an angel just because they knew that I was his daughter. Um, yeah, so when he passed away, everything was difficult. And I think that is also why my mom decided to send me away because she knew that if she didn't take this opportunity, then she couldn't provide for what she could see myself having on this plan. And it was really difficult for her to send away her young sweet little baby <laughs> and I was so I was so tiny and she she had to let go of me um and just even still having my sisters at home I think it was really hard for her she she had to well as she said in an interview she had to pray every single day for me because she never knew really what was going on on the side and sometimes I wouldn't even want to call her or tell her how sad I am because I knew that if I did, she she would try and hurry to my side and be with me and would want me to come back home and I didn't want to do that to her. So things were really difficult, but I'm I'm honestly grateful for the opportunity that I got in 2010 to move to Pretoria because it was a blessing for my mom and for myself. Yeah. So that that is that is Michaela White boy. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I've got a lot of love for my family, a lot of support from my family. Um, but I think um, it might be my, my dad. I'm not sure if he studied at the university, but I think I'm the first one that actually completed 
my degree and not a lot of my family members even finished school. So that just to do that is, is honestly a blessing. Yeah. Absolutely. Because for me, I was the first person to matriculate in my family and I also was the first person to get a diploma because you yeah. know, it was ages back in the day. So <laughs> yeah. I'm so proud of you, Michaela. Um, you know, yes. just, just looking back and thinking back of it, like thinking back to everything. Yes, absolutely. And your mom must be so proud of you. And, you know, we are our family and um, it's so incredible when you have that connection with your family and you know they have your back no matter what. And it inspires you and it drives you and it motivates you. So I'm just sending you a big hug. When I'm Thank you. <laughs> yes. Because I'm getting emotional. Lauren, I think I'm going to be because the next one to you because I'm getting very emotional. Um, <laughs> Not a problem. So, Michaela, just so you know, you've got two more moms. Whenever you need a shoulder to cry on, a chat about life, that's us. So, we're going to get emotional because we're moms and because we love sport and that's why we're doing this. Um, and I really want to thank Dawn for um, giving me the opportunity to actually push my boundaries and come out of the space where I predominantly work in the male side. I predominantly work in teams. So this is new to me. Um, I have been called the waterworks before in rugby uh, when I used to have the mascots that used to run on the field and I'd have to wave to them to run back to me. And I'll never forget get Bobby Skinstad saying to me you know he was a super sport commentator standing next to me he used to go five four three two one waterworks <laughs> so if we cry in this if they're gonna have to edit a bit better with our sniffles but so be it mm. Michaela oh my hat so coming from Port Elizabeth myself trust me not the easiest place but the most grounding place to grow up um Michaela I mean there's so much to talk about how you got there. We're going to run out of time. You are our only person that we're interviewing that has been at the 2021 Olympics. So let's go there. What an achievement in its own, Michaela. I remember having a phone call with you. We actually interviewed Marlon August earlier, and he put me in touch with you, what, months ago when you were going... Yeah. Um, to uh to the trials and 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 you had COVID. So yeah. let's talk about your training during this time and how you had parameters on training. But also let's talk about as you had to go there to qualify and then being hit with COVID. So let's have that little COVID chat for a few minutes. Uh, what was training okay. like for the last 18 months? So we had the lockdown and that was I was home for about three months that is the longest time I've ever been home I usually just go home for one or two weeks so after the three months I had to come back here and I had to do training on the grass I had judo mats packed out at the back of my yard and I had to bring some people to help me because there was nothing else we we weren't allowed into the venue we weren't allowed to do any type of judo training. So it was very difficult. I had to do fitness like crazy. And I was so unfit. <laughs> I died every single session. <laughs> but I had to get back up. And 
when I saw three weeks into the training, the transformation I made, I was like, your it's it felt good to be back back at training back into the routine um but we still didn't have any competitions we still didn't have any proper judo training and when the judo training started we weren't we weren't allowed to touch each other so it was very it was a very strange type of training it was a new method we because judo is close contact. We touch each other all the time. And to do training without having a partner or having, you have two meters distance between each other and you're like, what are we doing? <laughs> um, but then uh, training started and we started off immediately. We, we started off high intensity, trying to push everything because we knew that, that the end of, uh, I think, 20, 2020 we had the Africa Championships and that was the most important competition for that year so I had two competitions before that but that was just to prepare me for the Africa Championships because I knew that if I didn't get the gold medal at that championships my the qualification would have been so much harder for me in the international competitions. So it opened up. And then in November, I had the three competitions where I won all three gold medals. And I was really just, I was shocked for myself. I was like, look at the type of training you had and you could achieve that. I was like, my goal, you are going far. <laughs> you know, when you just speak to yourself and you're like, you've got this. Um, and then <laughs> we started uh, we started international competitions, which is always very difficult, whether you have 100% training or 0% training. Competing international is always difficult when you don't have the experience, you, you haven't done a lot of international competitions, you haven't done international training camps. You're not allowed to travel with your coach most of the time. So I had to go to these competitions with our team at times because I didn't have enough funding to take him with me. So we would always prioritize that I am there first. And if we have funding, then he goes. If we don't, he stays behind and communicating with him through Facebook or WhatsApp and strategies, it was, it was very difficult because... The important thing about Judo is having a relationship with your coach. And if I cannot trust him, then whatever decision he says or what if he tells me to try a new move and I can't do the move, then it will be difficult to trust him. So that was also an issue that I had to build a relationship with my coach. And it at times it was really difficult because he's not by my side um as you said i had i had covid so march month we uh we traveled to georgia for a training camp preparing for the uh georgian grand prix and then the Antalyan grand prix would have been a week later so one week into the training camp we were training hard feeling positive and then we did our first covid test which was the friday before the competition and I was negative. The second COVID test we did on the Sunday and they called me and they said, I am COVID positive and I'm not allowed to leave the room. Out of everyone there, my coach did not want me to have COVID because I was 
everyone was trying to qualify for the Olympic Games in my in my team, um, but I was ahead, and I was how can I say I was the priority player for for the Olympic qualification, and out of everyone, it was me, and it was really just it was disappointing. I was sad. I was I was like, why now? Like I feel so great. I am feeling positive. And I knew these two competitions would have pushed me up, pushed my ranking higher. And when I couldn't compete in those two competitions, I I dropped down to, I think I was number 36 and I dropped down. Those four spots were so important that when I was in that moment, I was like, it's all gone. Like everything is gone. My dream is gone. And I don't know if I'm going to make it. And it was so sad because it's so much work. It's so hard. I put my body through strain every single day. I put my mind through strain. It's so difficult mentally to go through a routine every single day. And you come back and you're all alone in your room. You have to call your family. They're so far. and. It's really just, it's daunting on your body, on your mind. And honestly, I can't tell you what wakes me up in the morning to go back into that routine. I just wake up and I tell myself, you have to do this. Like, there's just so much love for me into the sport and wanting to succeed that there was never a time where I would be like, you can't go. You always have to get up. And when I don't go, I feel so guilty. It it really, it feels like it's so much strain. And being in quarantine for 14 days, it, it really took a lot. Um, and then I, I spoke to you. I spoke to Marlon. There were so much people that was just keeping me positive during that time because it was really a downtime. And when I had to get back up, it was so difficult because COVID, it did affect me even the smallest bit, but it did. And getting back into it was really difficult that I thought this was it. I'm not going. But uh, when I got the the announcement, I was, I was really so, I was so happy. I was so excited. I was so emotional. I was going through so many emotions at that moment. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about, um, we know how challenging this year has been for you. We've, you know, we've been following your journey and I think you also need to understand that although you're alone, you're not alone. You're not alone. Yeah. Um, you have a village behind you of support, of love, of whatever you need in any way, you have sisters. So you need to tell us if you need anything, Lauren and I, and we are here for you. And it's not only us. There is a massive wave of love and support for you. And I need you to just understand that as difficult as this year has been and as challenging as it's been, and all the sacrifices that you've made, we are just so proud of you. And we just are so grateful for you because you're breaking barriers with what you're doing on so many levels. So I just want to take you to that very special moment of magic at the Tokyo 2020 Olympics, <laughs> representing South Africa as a female of color, you on this international platform, 
platform. And here you are, Michaela from Port Elizabeth. Please tell us what that felt like for you. It was really overwhelming. It was it was an exciting experience. Just the day when you we had to put on our tracksuits to go and fly, just looking at myself in the mirror and seeing myself in that kit, I was like, I made it. I made it. It was like <laughs> it I was so proud of myself in that moment. I was looking at my coach and my training partner and the the investment that they also made in my life. It was just, it was an amazing, amazing moment. And getting to the village and seeing all of those people, those athletes, everyone was like, I see you guys on TV and now I'm walking next to you. I was like, yes, it's me. It was really, yeah, it was, it was a blessing to be there. And being on that judo mat was so emotional. You have, like, I've never had so much, like, my drive just to want to fight. It was, it was really something else. As much as I was nervous, I was really just excited to be there and be surrounded by the top athletes in my sport. So, yeah. Michaela, so on that, I'm going to bring in one of what I call the e-entertainment moment. I want to know exactly what that village is like. You've said, you know, you see these people, you know, we had Alana Mayer um, talking to us earlier and she was saying, you know, when she went there, you know, for the very first time, South Africa got to come back and she got her silver. Um, she says, but oh my God, there's cinemas and there's food and there's you know, games rooms, Marlon said. And again, you've gone there and you didn't get the same experience uh, because obviously yeah. COVID now. So yes, you got to see these greats. Um, but what was that village like? I mean, were you guys stuck with Team South Africa? Um, how did that really work? Or did you get to like wave from the distance? So we arrived at the airport and immediately we were like, they grouped us Um we had to go through so many checks. We had to have two different types of apps on our phone. So there's an app where you have to do like a daily screening. And then there's an app where it alerts you if someone has, um, is in, has COVID and has close contact with you. And that already was something different. It's like, why do I need these apps on my phone? Um, we got there got the apps, had to do so much admin work. We were literally at the airport, I think from, from maybe to the village, on the bus, our room keys, and then we had to, we had to go into our rooms. Um, we, we had to do, well, supposedly we had to do three days where we were um, in quarantine, but I think they changed the rules. So immediately when we got there, they told us, no, we actually, we are free to, to, to walk around and, and see what's going on in the village. But we had to do daily testing. So they gave us uh, five tubes and every single day you have to give a sample of saliva in those tubes. So you stand in a line and you drop your sample, which is so weird. <laughs> every single day you had to just, you know, it feels so weird just spitting into a tube and then you drop it off. <laughs> like, just test me. 
Yeah, so it was very restricted. Um, we had a when we were eating, it was really huge, different types of food. Ooh, <laughs> I just loved the food, and we had drinks. We had like a special, a special uh, tag where you can use it at the vending machine, and whenever you want to drink, you just use your tag, and there the coke pops out. I was like, yes, I'm in heaven. <laughs> So that was, it was really nice, um, but they were really strict. Eh? They were really strict. So you get in, they check your card. If you're allowed to eat, you have to sanitize your hands. You have to use gloves. Um, we were sitting um, at the table and you are blocked by a glass, like a plastic glass um, around you. And so you can speak to your, your people or your teammates, but we all are, are like blocked around us. And it felt so weird that we we had to touch each other by the glass. But yeah, it was an amazing experience. And I made sure that I walked the whole village flat because I wanted to see every single thing in that village. So what we did is my teammate and I, we would have a nightly walk. And we would, because that's the time it was the coolest. You didn't want to walk during the day because I'm sure I would have fainted. It was so hot and humid that you couldn't even, even if you go eat, you feel so tired after that. So the village was really, it was very different from what I expected. I think I expected much more from it. Um, from what the guys explained from their previous Olympic Games, what the, like you said, the entertainment, the movie rooms, uh, they, it wasn't, there wasn't as much entertainment and uh, shops and things available at this village, but it was still so beautiful. It was really amazing just to be there. Michaela, well, we know for a fact we will see you back there in four years, and we cannot wait to hear about the differences in four years. I'm just getting a little bit worried on time, so Dorney, I'm going to let you uh, chat to Michaela, but I would love to hear a little bit about you know, your match, and unfortunately, you had to face um, number one in the world. <laughs> that couldn't have been fun after everything you've been through. But I'm going to hand that over yeah. to Dorney. Um, and if, if time allows, I think we can ask a few more questions. But let Dawn get in. We are going to have you back again. I can almost tell you if we had our way, we would meet with you once a week. So <laughs> I'm going to hand over to Dawn because I am cognizant about the time. And um, thank you so much for you know, just explaining it um, to us. And I think, you know, what an exciting time to live. It's been challenging, but um, look at your experience. It's definitely going to go down in bucket lists. It's going to go down in history for our grandchildren to talk about, you know, that their great-grandmother went to the Olympics and had to deal yes. with COVID. And, and we're going to look at it, or they're going to look at it like we look at the Spanish flu. So um, <laughs> kudos to you, girl. You got to make your mark on history. So Dawny, over to you. Oh, Michaela, my love, I wish we had another five, ten hours with you, but unfortunately, <laughs> we do have to wrap my angel. Um, we have so much more to talk about. So just quickly to wrap, if you could tell me um, what what the one key lesson was for you um, that's positive that you'd like to share with the world. Um, patience. I think patience is something that I had to learn because I really, I wanted to succeed so hard that I, I wanted it to happen so fast. And that is something that I learned 
through failing at competitions and failing at training and getting COVID, all of that just showed me that I need to be patient. My time is coming. It's not, maybe it might not come the way that I wanted exactly. I have to face a lot of challenges. I have to face a lot of hurdles. Um, sometimes I would ask myself, why am I doing it? But I will get there. I just have to be patient with myself. Michaela, I utterly adore you. I think you're incredible. As Lauren uh, said, this is just the start for you. Um, continue to believe in yourself. We're sending you so much love. And we promise you, both Lauren and I are going to stalk you very soon to continue. I think we need to unpack quite a lot more. So yeah. much love tonight. Take care. And uh, we'll chat soon. Thank you for having me. Thank you. No pleasure, Michaela. And I think just to let you know before we close off, Dawn will be coming to Johannesburg in about 10 days time. So um, even if we have to get ourselves on the car train or pack our little pack course, we're going to come and see you or you can come and join us for an evening if you can and stay the night and we can get to know each other a lot better and share the message of how phenomenal our female athletes have been this Olympics. So thank you so much, Michaela. So much love and kisses. I am so proud that you come from PE. That just makes you even extra special and we'll be bonded for life because of that. <laughs> no, thank you. Thank you for having me and, and thank you for sharing my, my story. It's, it's, it's really powerful and I feel that I can, I can speak to a lot of young girls and I really appreciate that. Well, thanks for making us cry. Thanks for joining the Lauren and Dawn show, the Olympic series. Hope you enjoyed. Please leave us a review as we would love to hear from you. And we welcome your suggestions for future guests and topics in the world of elite sports. Catch new episodes weekly on a Thursday from 1pm GMT plus 2. Till then, goodbye from us.